Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. He got me through. 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 Amen. Hey, well, if it's your first time in church today, I know why it's your first time. Because you almost died this week. And somehow the Lord preserved your life, your family's life, and your property. And you thought, you know what, it's been a while since I've come to church, but I need to give thanks to the one who controls the wind, who controls the rain, who controls the storm. Glory be to God. If it's your first time here, then you don't know who I am. My name's JJ. Alongside my wife, Liz, we have the honor and privilege of serving Journey Church as its pastors. And it is the joy and privilege of our lives. If you're looking for a home church, look no further. You're surrounded by some of the most amazing, beautiful, honest, open, transparent people in all of Central Florida. Journey Church, prove me right. Would you put your hands together and welcome all of our first-time guests? And thank you for coming here. And keep it going for Journey Church Online. What's up, Journey Church Online? We love you. We know that many could not attend today because they're at home and recovering and repair. And we know that there are many online, our church family in Europe and in New York and in other parts of the country. We want you to know we're doing okay and uh, we're doing better than okay because we're blessed, we're alive, and we're grateful. Anybody else wake up on Thursday thinking it could have been a lot worse? Thank you, Jesus. We're super, super duper grateful. And uh, listen, I want to take a second to just uh, say thank you to the countless people who showed up yesterday on Saturday to be a blessing to the community. Um, We put out information asking if people wanted help or needed help. We had more people who wanted to help than needed help. We had so many people volunteer to help rebuild and repair that we went to one neighborhood and after we started fixing the fence in one neighborhood, they just kept going down the street. They said, that's why we're here. Let's just help every neighbor in this community that needs help. And they started cleaning up all the homes on the street right here by the church. One gentleman tried to give us money uh, to pay for our services. And we were just like, man, we're just grateful that we're just here to share the love of Christ. And, and I think it's awesome. And uh, I want to give a special shout out to all the families who donated, not just their time, but financially. Some families even donated furniture to help other families who lost their furniture in flooding. That's the kind of church we are. Uh, And also want to let you know, as we continue to get news reports of the wreckage and the destruction in Fort Myers in Southwest Florida, a beautiful area of our state if you've never been, that will not be the same for years to come, that on your behalf, we are already sending financial resources to Convoy of Hope to to provide for the rebuilding process and the repairing process, and we're bringing food and we're bringing bottled water. And so if you're watching the news, yeah, praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Journey Church. If you watch the news and you're wondering, how can I be a part? How can I give? You already are. Every time you tithe, every time you give offering, we save portions of that just to be able to respond to disaster moments like that. I want to give a special shout out to Diane and Pastor Jenny and the rest of the serve team and outreach team that helped lead those efforts. It's a lot of work organizing it, but just so proud 
of you, Journey Church, and the way that you responded and will continue to respond. I want to say that if you still need help or if you would like to help, I want you to write this webpage down, journeyoil.com forward slash hurricane. If you are watching online and you still can't access, uh, I know that our neighborhood is still flooded. You can only get in and out with a Jeep. And so if you can't come to church, but you need someone to come to you, if you go to this webpage and give us your information, we will try and send someone out to help you in the next couple of days and weeks. We know that the, the process is going to be a while, but this is what the church should be. Amen. Not just the place where we come and worship and gather internally, but where we can take all the hope that we've gotten and bring it out to others. Amen. Well, are you ready to hear a word from God today and be encouraged? Amen. Well, we are starting a brand new sermon series today, and instead of giving you the title, we're going to do something new. So this is going to be a six-week series. I'm excited about it, and uh, I don't think we've ever done series that long before, but this will be the first time. And we actually created a little YouTube show to go along with the series. So instead of giving you the title of the sermon series, uh, we've got this little, little YouTube production to uh, introduce the topic to Welcome to my channel. If this is your first time here, my name is Erica, and today we're gonna to be learning how to strain pasta, the TikTok way. And so there's a couple things you're gonna need. So you're gonna need a strainer, a pot with already boiled pasta. See, if you don't know how to boil pasta, click this link right here. Boop, it'll pop up. <laughs> and then you're gonna need another bowl. All right, so you're gonna put the strainer inside of the pot, and then you're gonna flip the pot with the strainer. Oh, actually, no. We're gonna do the pot and the, the bowl on top, all right? No, this is, but this one came with the and pot. And you're gonna flip it? Pot. I know she has a pot okay. here. Well, do you want me to use that pot or do you want me to use this pot? This pot. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Are you in the middle of something? Here, let's let's see how this worked out. What are you all right. doing? I'm straining pasta. What are why, you doing? Why are you, okay, that's cool. Why are you doing um, it like this? Because it's the best way, it's the TikTok way. Mm. That, that, I have a better way. It's a lot easier than this. I think you're doing it a little, you're doing a little extra work. Okay. I'm gonna show you the, like I have my own way. All right. It's also, I learned it on TikTok as well. Nice, how are you doing guys? Uh, I wanna show you guys how to properly strain pasta the easier way. It's like a little life hack I wanna show you. Well, by the way, this is Tommy. Hi, I'm Tommy Royale, and I'm gonna show you guys the proper way to strain this pasta. First off, this is not a drill. Okay, maybe it is, and we're gonna use it, all right? So first, what you're gonna do, get a drill, safety first, Dora taught me that one. And uh, a cup. You're gonna ask okay. me, okay, what am I gonna use this cup for? Yep. I'll show you. First thing, red solo cup, put holes in it in the bottom. One. <laughs> it's gonna take a minute. It's all part of the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Yeah, Two. Yeah. Okay. Kids, remember to ask for a parent's permission before you use any drill. Yep. I recommend 18 and older to use this because. That means you can ah. use. You got scared. That's why you gotta ask your parents because you never know what can happen. Poke three holes under it, okay? And then what you're gonna do is, ooh, some may say, holy cup. <laughs> what you're gonna do is, Okay. All right, so this strainer, you don't need that. This, you just made this. How long did this take? Five minutes. Two 30, minutes. 30 seconds. 30 yeah. seconds is what she meant to say. 30 that's, seconds. That's what I meant. That's, it wasn't that long. And then you're gonna get this cup, put it right here, and get your pasta. And what's really cool about this, and this is why it's easier, when you pour the pasta in here, the water's gonna drain out of those holes, like 30 seconds, right? 
to go. To go. To go. Pasta in a cup. Pasta in a cup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the better way. <laughs> yes. We are starting a brand new series today called A Better Way. Tell somebody a better way. And our message is coming from two different passages of scripture that when they work together, they give a really good truth for your life. The first is in Proverbs 14, verse 12, where it says, there is a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. We just went from fun to death, just like that. And then John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus comes in with the other half of that, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, the earliest Christians uh, in Christian history were not known as Christians. Uh, We're not known as believers. We're not known as followers. The earlier Christians uh, in the New Testament were known as people of the way, People of the way. Acts chapter 9, verse 2, Paul asked for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any of who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts 22, 4, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Acts 19, 9, some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. Acts 19, 23, and about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. Acts 24, 14, but this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, and I wanted to end on that passage of scripture because often what is different is discriminated. And the reason why the early church was under such persecution is because they lived their life in such a way that it was radically different. It was radically controversial. And they were defined by the way they lived their lives, which everything in me right now is doing the best to fight off any references to the Mandalorian but I can't. So if you know what I'm talking about, say it with me. This is the way. This is the way. The early Christians had a way. Sell all your possessions, give to the poor. Why? Because this is the way Jesus lived his life. You've heard it said, love your friends, hate your enemies. But Jesus said, love your friends and love your enemies. Somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. This is the way. Cancel all your plans on Saturday to help families repair their fence, even though yours is still hanging. And you could be taking that time to invest in your own family, but because you care more about the community than you do what's yours, that selflessness, this is the way. This is the way to follow Jesus. And mind you, side note, that the earliest Christians were not recognized by their words, but by their way. I think oftentimes we try to defend Christ with our words, but the best way to defend Christ is not with our words, but with our way. We had a neighbor across the street from us, 78 years old. The storm came and absolutely ravaged his yard. And he's been neighbors with us for six, seven years almost. And uh, because the storm was so bad, we didn't want to see that 78-year-old man and his wife cleaning up trash. And so we went over there with the family. We started helping to pick up trash. And he started asking me about the church and how the church gets started. And I shared with him for the first time. We've been neighbors for six or seven years. I shared with him for the first time the story of baby journey and our son and how we lost our son and all that. And the church came journey. and, And while we're cleaning the grass, he starts to cry while I'm sharing him the story. I'm like, you okay? He goes, yeah, the pollen. You know, just, just acting up and stuff. And then first time he's ever asked this question in six years of being my neighbor, he said, hey, where is the church? I told him where it was and sounded like he might come and visit. What's interesting is that I've been a pastor for six, I've been his neighbor 
the same time I've been a pastor, but it wasn't all the sermons. It wasn't, it wasn't the words that made an impact. It was the way. Your way will always represent Christ better than your words. Always. And uh, we all have a way. You know, we all have a way of living. We have a way of working. We have a way of coping. We have a way of handling money. And you got to be careful because sometimes you could be in your way for so long that if someone comes for your way, you get defensive about your way because you're like, chill out. That's the way I do it. That's my way. I remember when we first got married, Liz and I both had ways of organizing. Her way was to put everything in a, in a canister and to have everything labeled and to have everything in a place. That was not my way. My way was like to not have a way. And I remember stepping, and I, this is old me, I could go into my office and it would be a mess, but I could tell you exactly where everything was in that mess. You need a pen, blue, black, or red. I know exactly where everything is. And then one day she came and she organized everything and I could not find one thing. I said, what are you doing? She says, you need to learn how to organize. I said, I have a way of organizing. This is my way of organizing. Don't come from my way. And she said, it's not your way. It's messy. That's what it is. All that to say, here's my first point. Listen, just because it's your way doesn't mean it's okay. Liz was watching, uh, the boys were watching uh, some anime cartoon. Liz overheard she was watching. And in this anime cartoon, there was this little girl who, whenever she got angry, she turned into a dinosaur. And then she started ripping up the neighborhood whenever she got angry. And then when she turned back into a little girl, her, her friend said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, it's just that every time I get angry, I turn into a dinosaur. And then the little kid said, it's okay. We all have our things. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean... We all have our things, but she turned into a dinosaur. Like, that's a whole nother level of thing. Like, that's not okay. And I'm just saying, we can't use our personality type as an excuse for bad behavior. We can't talk to somebody and then they get offended. And then when they come to you for an apology, you could be like, well, that's just the way I talk. That's not just the way you talk. That's rude. You can't show up late to a meeting and be like, I'm sorry, it's not my fault. I'm an Enneagram four wing five. No, you're inconsiderate. And we can't use this, this, uh, just this way as an excuse to be, it's not okay. Lamentations 340, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. It says examine our ways, not let us accept our ways. You don't have to accept your ways. You can examine your ways and ask yourself, is the way that I'm living my life a good way or is this a harmful way? Is this hurting others or hurting me? Well, I've just been this way for so long. Well, that's okay. Here's my second point. You don't have to stay that way. You don't have to stay that way. I had a, a grandma. I still have a grandma. I said had in the first service, but she's alive. But it's hard to count because she's been dead almost three times and she keeps coming back to life. I tell my mom, the next time you tell me grandma's dying, I'm not going to believe it. I'm just not going to believe it. I'll meet her at the funeral. We'll just stand it there. That's how we'll know. She's invincible. But uh, she, she always would raise her voice. And she's, and she's calmed down a little now. She always raised her voice. And I remember asking my mom growing up, I said, why does grandma yell all the time? And it, she wasn't mad. She's just Puerto Rican old grandma. That's what she was. <laughs> she would just yell at everybody who came in the house. She wouldn't even matter. You have friends over. She wouldn't even look at them. She would look at you and be like, who is that? All the time. 
She's always a voice. And I asked, I asked my mom why she's like that. She said, she's just that way. And for a long time, I believed that, that some people are just a certain way and they're just going to stay that way because that's the way that they are. And, uh, but then, you know, I met my father-in-law. Now, if you don't know my father-in-law, he's a great guy, but he raises his voice a lot. He argues a lot. He's very rarely ever wrong, doesn't apologize often, um, but he loves Jesus. And he's a lot of people to Jesus. And he's the biggest servant. I have to add those things just in case he's watching. I love you. But, but the other day, he's 75 now. The other day, he was in a conversation with my wife and, they were in a, and she gave her side of the story. And he said to her, he said, you know what? You're right. She said, I got to call you back. <laughs> so on the phone, she said, babe, you never give to my father. Just said, I said, wow. He said, you know what? You're right. I said, wow. She said, I know. He has grown so much. <laughs> she got back on the phone and called him and said, dad, I just got to tell you, I'm so proud of you. The growth that you had. Listen, I don't care if you're 17 or 78. You don't have to stay that way. You can grow. You can evolve. You don't got to stay broke. You don't got to stay bitter. You don't got to stay bound. You can grow. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know what sin will try and do? It will try and harden your behavior by lying to you and telling you that's just the way you are. And, and, and the Bible's saying that's a trap. Don't believe that. That's deceitful. As long as it's today, you can change. Today is the day of change. And now some of you are saying, well, that's, that's okay, and, and I get that. And listen, this is what I really want to preach to you. Listen, for everyone here in the room, there might be a better way. There might be a better way. Now, I know like, that doesn't seem at this point that this message is for you. I know I'm speaking to a lot of people in the room right now, and, and many of them are thinking, this is a really good message for my neighbor. <laughs> he needs to know that his way is wrong. But most of us in the room do not think that this message is for us, because here's the thing about our way. We think that our way is the best way. And so the moment I talk about a better way, you're like, I know, I know it took me years to figure it out. That's what you're thinking right now. It took me years to figure it out, but now I got the best way, and I know it's the right way. And all I'm telling you is, here's, listen, the ethos of this series. There might be a better way. There might be a better way, and by the way, See what I did there? Yeah. Proverbs 14, 12. Remember the way it was written. There is a way that... Yeah, see, so you're not wrong. You don't think you're wrong because it seems right. It seems right. Now, why does it seem right? Three reasons. Number one, it seems like the right way because that is the way it was modeled for us. That's the way we saw mom do it. That's the way we saw dad do it. That's the way we saw our uncle do it. That's the way we saw grandpa do it. That's the way we saw the, 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 our leaders do it or them do it. That's the way we saw it. But, but just because they did it that way doesn't mean it's the right way. Proverbs 22, 6 says, start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, listen, this is a positive connotation, but more than a positive connotation, this is a scriptural principle. If you raise your son or daughter in the right way, then when they grow old, they won't turn away from it. But what happens if, if they're raised in the wrong way? Then when they get older, it's going to be hard to turn from it as well. Listen, I were counseling a couple, and they got into an argument, and in the middle of the argument, they told us one of them got up and left. In the middle of the argument, I said, I said well, why did you do that? He said, because I needed time to cool off. So I left. I said, well, where did you see that? Who, who told you that that was the right way to, to handle issues? He goes, that's the way my dad did it. And I'm like, that's not the right way. You don't leave to, to cool off because some people leave and never come back. 
You can't use your emotions as an excuse to walk away from the person you love. You got to sit there and you got to work through it. The only people in the world who are allowed to cool off from their temper tantrums are toddlers. Everyone else, you have to deal with the burden and the responsibility of being an emotional person and you need to straddle those emotions and be an adult and conversate and walk through it. But it can be hard, which why, which, which why changing your actions can be just as difficult as changing your accent. Because you were born with that surrounding. So it's a part of who you are. Sometimes it seems like the right way because everyone is going that way. Everyone's going that way. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's headed that way. This is what everyone, I see all the time, celebrities, and this is what everyone's going. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And hear this, and many enter through it. Many are going the wrong way. Now, this is big for everybody, but this is especially big for teens. Teenagers, this is especially big for you because anytime you want to do something, this is how you start off that your mom and dad doesn't let you do. This is how you start off your conversation. I just want to help you. This is not a good conversation starter. But all my friends, fill in the blank. But all my friends, now this is for adults too, but I want to speak to teenagers just for a second. Never start a sentence with, but all my friends, because what you do when you say that, you are using your friends as the standard for your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want their life. Let me tell you something about your friends, teenagers. 32% of your friends have an anxiety disorder. Not, Not that they had an anxious moment. They've been diagnosed by a doctor as having a disorder. 32% of your friends. 62% of your friends have abused alcohol, damaging their brains or their bodies. Out of all of the overdoses that happen in the United States, over 10%, 11.2% of them are your friends. And the second biggest reason your friends are dying, it's not cancer, it's not crime, it's not COVID, it's suicide. That's who you want to be like. You cannot allow the, the people to, to, to be your standard. Listen to me. Majority rules is a great foundation for democracy, but it is a poor foundation for morality. Do not give people a vote on your way. There's only one way. The truth and the life. And lastly, it seems like the right way because it's the easier way. Sometimes it's just, it's just easier look what Matthew 7, 13, 14 says in a different translation. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard. It's hard that leads to life. And because it's hard, those who find it are few. I remember the, the, the first and last time I ever did a construction job with my dad. <laughs> He's a contractor. And uh, he just left, but I, I, he would have laughed at this story. We were, we were renovating a basement for one of his clients. And he put me in charge of uh, putting, cutting the two by fours to put in the walls and then the sheetrock go on. And we were framing, if you know anything about building, we were framing. And he always told me this. He said, son, measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut once. It's, it's very well-known advice for those in the construction industry. But that just seemed like a lot of work to me. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I took the piece of wood, two by four. It needed to be a certain height to reach the ceiling. He gave me those numbers. I knew those numbers. I measured once and cut once because that was the easier way. And then I got this bright idea. Now that I know how long they're all supposed to be, 
I'll just take this one and I'll take all the other pieces of wood and I will cut it to this length of this wood. So I cut all the pieces of wood to the length of the first one. And my dad came back. He said, man, you did such a great job. You cut all the wood. I said, yeah, let's go put it up. We put it up. It was about three to four inches short. There was a gap from the top of the two by four to the top of the brace of the frame. I looked at him. He goes, you know what? It's okay. It's just one piece. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> about that. <laughs> I didn't measure twice and cut once. I measured once and cut six times. <laughs> Because it seemed like the easier way. But here's what I've learned about life. Sometimes the easier way is the hard way undercover. It's the hard way with a mask on. It's the hard way disguised. It's the easier way is to just spend your money when you get your paycheck. But that's really the hard way disguised as the easier way because now you're going to be living your life paycheck to paycheck. That's the hard way. When you have a problem at home, it's easy to ignore those problems with your spouse. It's easy to know the problem with your parents or your kids. Just get on your phone. It's easy to get on your phone. Turn on the TV. It's easy to drown out the noise. But that's the hard way disguised as the easy way because you know what's harder than having that conversation? Divorce court, family therapy, having to speak to a lawyer, a judge, and a doctor about problems you could have spoke about for free in your own time. But hard conversations are hard conversations and sometimes we don't want to have them. But if you go the easy way, it's the hard way in disguise. Listen, there's a better way, and it might not be the easiest way. It might not be the way you were taught. It might definitely is not the way that everyone is going, but it is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I'm preaching like two sermons today because I had to set up the syllabus of what I want to talk about. The better way, that's going to be our foundation for this whole series. But now I'm going to talk about a specific way that we do things in life, and every message is going to deal with a specific way. And I want to speak to you today. This is the title of, of the message part B. I want to speak to you about, listen, a better way to be somebody a better way to be somebody. You know that you were made in God's image. You were made to be seen. You intuitively yearn for this. The little girl, if you have a little girl, if you remember being a little girl, the moment that she can spin, she will put on her princess dress, she will find daddy, and she will spin for daddy. Look how beautiful I am, daddy. She wants that attention. The boy, the moment that he can put two Lego pieces together, he's going to put two little pieces together. It's not even going to, it doesn't even look, daddy, look what I built, daddy, look what I built. Justice and Zane are nine and 10 now, and anytime they beat a level in a video game, just beat, they're not the boss, just the level. Daddy, look what I did. I beat the level in the game. Why? We yearn for attention. We learn for people to look at us, tell us it's a good job. And whatever you call it, fame, ambition, success, significance, call it what you like. I want to tell you today, it's not bad to want those things. The purpose of being seen is built into you. It's not bad if you want to be seen, as long as you know that the reason why you were created to be seen was so that others could see Jesus in you. It's like, it's like me sometimes, um, if, you, if you've been to our church for any amount of time, you know that I don't dress myself on Sundays. Now, if you're new to this church, a caveat, I dress myself every other day. I just, I feel like I need to say that so that people know like I am an adult. You know, I have, I have grown up. But on, but on Sundays, my wife wants me to look the best. And so she pulls out all of these outfits and some matches and patterns and stuff that I would never wear, but she knows looks good. And so she does it. I have zero fashion sense. And it creates really awkward moments in the lobby when I'm with you guys, because occasionally there will come a, a woman who wants something for her husband or a guy says, man, I really like that shirt. And they say, where did you get it? And then when they ask me that, I'm like, let's find out. You know, and I'm like, so you'll see me in the lobby, like, what does it say? 
That's where I got it. I, I don't point to me. I point to the designer. I'm trying to tell you that the reason why you ought to aspire to have homes and you ought to aspire to be successful and you ought to aspire to have wealth and you ought to aspire to have a happy marriage and you ought to aspire to have a six pack and you ought to aspire to have joy is because people should look at your life, want what you got so that when they ask you where you got it, they say, let me introduce you to the designer, the one who gave me principles for my life to live a certain way and I'm only here because he gifted me this way. It's not bad to want to be great. As long as you want to be the moon. Yes, sir. It's not bad if you want to shine as long as you want to be the moon. The moon shines up the night, but the moon has no light in and of itself. It's a reflection of the sun. As long as you want to be the moon, God will bless you. But if you for one second to try to be the sun, God will bring you low. I want to be the moon. I want to reflect God's goodness. And you got to be careful. Listen, because we live in a day and age where it's never been easier to be famous. All you need is a cell phone and, and Wi-Fi and a connection and, and be funny, maybe be attractive, you know, maybe show some skin, do something silly, stupid, dangerous. 39,000 people on TikTok have over 1 million followers. And you can't tell me they're all interesting. Here's the problem. The accessibility of fame has created the glorification of fame. And anytime you glorify fame, and someone say, well, fame's not my thing. Attention. Anytime you glorify fame or attention, it gives birth to something ugly called pride. And pride is the original sin. Pride will destroy your life. We know that pride is the original sin, the very first sin ever committed because it wasn't committed by you and me. It was committed by the devil. Before the devil was the devil, before Satan was Satan, he was known as Lucifer. Lucifer means morning star. He was bright. He was beautiful. But he thought he was the sun when he was really the moon. He was supposed to take his beauty and show all of heaven's cre- creatures and creations, look what God made. Look, what God, look at God. But instead, he said, look at me. And you got to be careful that pride doesn't seep into your life. And so I have some, I was going to define pride, but I thought if I define find pride, you would feel attacked. So instead, I'm going to give you examples of pride and I'm going to let you self-identify whether or not you wrestle with pride. And if you do, you can say, amen. You can go, ouch. You can go, mm. Or you could be silent. And at that moment, you might say, well, Pastor JJ, you literally gave us no way to say that we're not wrestling with pride. Because I believe that in some way, shape or form, we all are. But I'll just go ahead and give you examples. How do you know you might have pride? You might have pride if it takes 20 positive comments on your social media post to fill your soul, but only one negative comment to empty it. Because your personal value is attached to the view of people. You might have pride if you walk into a room and expect more compliments than you give. Come in the room talking about, how come she didn't see my hair? How come he didn't notice my new shoes? Did you notice their hair? Did you notice their shoes? Why are you walking in there expecting compliments? You should walk into every room expecting to give. You might have pride if you complain more than you appreciate. How is that pride? Because that means you have a spirit of entitlement. That means you think you should have more than you have. And everything that you don't have, you should have. It's pride. You might have pride if the most repeated word in your vocabulary is I. Me myself or mine. Be careful. You might have pride if you don't pray. So well, how, does, how does prayer, how does not praying indicate you have pride? Because if you're not praying, you must think you got this. If you're not praying, you must think you're strong enough. If you're not praying, you must think you're smart enough. If you're not praying, you must think you're wise enough. If you're not praying, you must think you're holy enough. But all of us who pray, we pray because we know we need it. Because we can't do this by ourselves. You might be prideful, listen, if you walk into a room and you automatically measure yourself against others. It's awfully quiet in church today. I like it. 
I don't know if you ever walk into a room and you're like, you just, you scan. It's like, mm-hmm. He's a six, I'm a seven. He's a, I can lift more than them. I can, my makeup is better than their makeup. And, careful. Finally, you might have fried if in your pursuit to be somebody, you make other people feel like a nobody. You might have pride. If you wrestle with that today, let me help you show you the biblical way to be somebody. Here it is, two things. First, don't big yourself up, build others up. Don't big yourself up, build others up. I remember speaking with a pastor a couple years ago in Orlando. He had a big church, we were launching campuses all the time. And he asked me straight up, he was like, hey, this is all that's going on, it's great. How about your church? How's your church doing? How many, and this is how pastors talk to each other. How many, not all pastors, but how many people are you running? They met like attendance. And I had a number, this was like three years ago. I had a number and, but after everything that he said about what God was doing in his church, I just couldn't give him that number. I had to round up the number. So I rounded up. But I didn't round up to the singles place. And I didn't round up to the tens place. Your boy rounded up to the hundreds place. And I didn't even round up with the rules of rounding. Like if it's five or but you go up. No, I, I was like two, but I rounded up anyway. And after I walked away from that conversation, I felt so dirty. I felt so filthy because why did I feel the need to puff myself up to be valuable, to be worth? And in church, that church scenario might not be your scenario, but we all have scenarios like that. We're on social media. We see a mom post something cute with their kid. We're like, dang, I have kids too. <laughs> we get our son over there. Get, do something funny. <laughs> Stick a Cheerio up your nose. <laughs> Hurry up. I need people to know I have kids too. <laughs> we're at the gym. We're working now. You know, there's a, a vein that comes across the bicep and we're like, Phew. and in our mind, we're like, hey, everybody, come see how good I look. <laughs> but nobody's there because everybody's working out in their own stuff. And so you're like, the world needs to know. I work out and I look good. So you pull out your cell phone and you take, and I know I'm, I'm just inspiring people. Pastor JJ. Okay, maybe, but there's a difference between inspiring and inflating. And you have to ask yourself which one is in your heart. Or, or, tell me if you've ever done this, someone tells a story, and the moment they're finished with their story, you are racking your memory for us, for a story that you have that is of equal value or greater. And so they finish their story, and you're like, oh yeah, that happened to me too when I was back in the, (laughs) oh yeah, no, I graduated too. Why do we have to include you in this? The story wasn't about you. But you know why you do that? Because we feel the need to be seen. I was here too. I went to college too. I have kids too. I work out too. Um, see me, I am somebody. But you don't want fans. And you don't want the attention from others like that. Why? Because the same crowds that adore you will abandon you. Just ask Jesus. He had a lot of followers. Everybody loved Jesus until it came time for the cross. When the cross came, all of the fans, listen, we live in a day and age where I don't care how many people like you, you are one tweet away from being canceled. And all the people who loved you, those other weeks will abandon you. The only people that stood by Jesus, and even at that barely, were the ones who he invested his life into. The ones who he washed the feet of. I'm trying to tell you, if you want to be somebody, don't be somebody to everybody. Be somebody to somebody. Impact one life. Serve one person. And when the time comes, when the time comes, 
You'll see it. You'll know that they're there for you. I love Jesus because he was the somebody who came to earth as a nobody. He never tried to be somebody big. If you think about it, you, you and I, we were born the way we, we had no choice. Skin color we had, acne we had, hair we have, lack of hair we have. We, we were born into the world. Jesus was the only one who could have NBA 2K'd himself. He could have came to earth and customized himself, you know? Six foot three, the Bible says he came to earth in a way that drew no earthly attention. Son of a carpenter and a teenager. Why? Because he knew that he didn't need to be somebody in the world's eyes to be somebody. He just needed to serve somebody. He just wanted to be significant, not successful. Numbers 12, three. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's cool. If you want to learn how to be humble, study Moses' life. I only have one problem with this passage. Who wrote Numbers? <laughs> Moses. <laughs> so, so Moses is writing the book, and it comes time to, he finished verse one, he finishes verse three, he's like, I'm going to keep it 100. <laughs> you know you pride for when you speak about yourself in the third person. Right? No, the Bible can't lie. Now, now I am very humble. In fact, I'm the humblest man on the face of the planet. <laughs> when I'm telling you don't big yourself up, you might think the only alternative if I'm going to be humble is to think that I'm not special. But that's not what Moses is teaching us. Moses knew who he was. He just didn't draw his value from that. Yeah. Humility, listen to this, write this down if you're taking notes. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It's putting the needs of other people ahead of yours. I know I'm special. I know God's got a calling in my life, but I don't care about those things. What I care about is using the gifts that he gave me to help other people in their need and in their life. I'm not thinking Moses didn't try to build a name for himself. He tried to build a nation for God. That's what humility is. If you want to be somebody, listen, if you want to be somebody, walk into every room. This is practical advice for you. Walk into every room, not thinking about how the people in that room can add value to you but how you can add value to the people in that room. That's the biggest change for your life. That's a good time to clap too, because I just, I don't want to, I don't want to call my shot like that, but I just need you to own it. And listen, here's my last point. If you want to be somebody, beware of pride, because pride turns somebodies into nobodies. And humility turns nobodies into somebodies. Jesus said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted will be exalted. Proverbs 18, 12 says it like this, pride first, then the crash. But humility is the precursor to honor. If you do end up being somebody in the world's eyes, that's awesome. But if you want to stay that way, don't be prideful. Pride will come and take you off of your... I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of Justice and we were in the, in the beaches of uh, Hawaii, not bragging, okay? Just in the beaches of Hawaii. And uh, this is on, the, on one of the, the cliffs, like on the, on the water down there. And we were up high and we parked our car because there was this great Instagram picture shot that Liz wanted to catch, which I believe my wife, I, I, she always says, I'm not doing it for the gram, I'm doing it for the memories, so I choose to believe her. And so <laughs> we were up on the street and she said, we got to go down. So there's only one way to go down and there's a big sign on the way down that says danger. Do not come down this trail for pictures. People have died on this trail for pictures. And my wife's like, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, Man, I don't know. Um, it looks safe enough. Uh, so, so we went down and we took pictures like that and it was awesome. And, and it really wasn't that hard. But uh, on the way back, 
I saw Zane, not Justin, but Zane just hopping and jumping and running, like running up the hill. And I said, buddy, slow down. He said, I got this. And I said, and that's what everyone else who died climbing it thought. I got this. He said, but daddy, you told me, he said, you taught me to be confident. I said, yeah, papi, but there's a difference between confidence and overconfidence. Confidence will help you live. Overconfidence will take your life. That's why I live my life in a way, not to bring attention to me, but in a way that offends a lot of people. For example, if you're a female, a woman in this room today, you will never be able to counsel with me one-on-one in a, in a, in a closed space, ever. Because it's a rule that I have. And someone might say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Like, do you not think you're strong enough to be able to have a one-on-one meeting with a woman of the opposite sex? I said, no, I don't. I don't have the pride to think that I can make it where hundreds of other pastors have failed. I don't have that pride in me. I'm humble enough to know I'm a man who can make mistakes. So I'm not going to put myself in position. That's why I don't drink alcohol. Drinking alcohol is not a sin. I'm not coming for your alcohol. Okay? I don't do it because I've got alcoholics on both sides of my family. Like bad, bad alcoholics on both sides of my family. So here's what I said. I'm just going to live that life because I don't have the pride to think that I'm the one Vasquez who can drink and it not be a problem. I just don't have that pride. I'm humble enough to know I can fail. And if you stay humble, God will honor you. And so husbands, wives, set those kinds of boundaries. Don't have the overconfidence in your marriage that you live all willy-nilly. Set that kind of, have the kind of humility to set the kind of boundaries so that we can all honor you at your 25th wedding anniversary. If you're a business leader, have the kind of humility when your business starts to take off and you start bringing in millions and millions of dollars, have the kind of humility to hire an outside auditor to set up internal audit, uh, audits so that you don't end up, listen, so that we can honor you one day in the Fortune 500 and not have to read about you going to jail in the Wall Street Journal. If you stay humble, God will raise you up. If you, if you make yourself, uh, he'll bring you down. Now, here's what happens to humility. Here's what happens when you're humble. Here's what happens when you're humble. 1 Peter 5, 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. I like the way the message version said it. Be content with who you are. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. First off, God's strong hand is on you. Somebody say, God's hand is on me. Now receive this, receive this. Before you try and be somebody, please know that you already are somebody. God's hands on you already. You already are someone. You don't need other people's validation. You already are someone. If I'm not careful, I can get a lot of validation from this moment. But I got to be careful because the same people that clap for me, and not you particularly, but if I put my value on people, I get other, I get claps here, but I get comments on YouTube. So my value can't be attached to this performance. I have to understand that whether I do well or whether I do poor, I'm not ministering to an audience of 3,000 or 2,000. Let me round down. I'm not ministering to an office, an audience of 1,500. I'm ministering to an audience of one. Of one, of one, of one. And when you keep that in mind, my kids will love me whether I do well here or not. I will be somebody to them whether or not I'm somebody to you. So when you know that you're somebody because God sees you as somebody, it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. Doesn't matter. And I like the second part of that. He'll promote you at the right time. You know, in 2019, we lost half of our church. Some of you guys were just at home to be safe. We understood that. Some never came back. We were running probably 1,000, and then we were back to 500. And 
It was hard. Our team tried to come up with strategies to grow and strategies to reach people. We didn't have a space. We were portable and it's nothing we did could work. And then finally, this building presented itself in 2021 and we got the staff together and we said, you know what? We always want to do this, but let's do this even more so. Now that we actually have a place, let's make serving people the focus. Let's do outreach better. Let's reach out in the community. That was when we started giving money to the school and we started doing a great homeless outreach out here by the buses in Lake Yolo. And I said, you know what else? Let's, get, let's make prayer the focus even more so. We did 21 days of prayer and fasting all year, but now that we have a building, let's not just gather every Wednesday. Like if you were with us from the beginning, you know we would gather just every Wednesday. Let's gather every morning, 7 a.m., prayer. Let's do it. And sure enough, there was 130 people rounding down every morning for 21 days praying. And you know what God did during that time when we, when we stopped trying to get big and just start trying to serve people? I, I, there's a magazine. I just found out the staff didn't even know. I just announced this today for the first time. There's a magazine called Outreach Magazine that has a list of the 100 fastest growing churches in the United States. And they survey 13,000 churches, 13,000 churches in the U.S. And of the 13,000 churches, I just found out this past weekend that Journey Church is the 28th fastest growing church in the United States in the United States. And we're the number one fastest growing church in the state of Florida. Now, awkward time to share that stat in a series about pride. But, but what I'm trying to tell you is, I know, that doesn't even excite me. What excites me is that those numbers mean 2,000 people deciding to follow Jesus for the first time. Countless families come back together, restored, going through difficult moments, feeding homeless people and helping to rebuild fences and donating furniture and sending missionaries to other countries. I don't care about the accolades. And I think, hear me, because we don't care about those things, God gives us those things. We tried to make it happen for a year, two years. And the moment we stopped trying to make it happen, God did it. Here's my last point. When it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it is God's time, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. So listen, I want to do two prayers. My first prayer is for anybody in the room who feels overlooked, who feels like they're missing out, who feels like more people need to know who I am because I'm awesome. You are, and the time for your promotion will come. But for now, stay humble, stay low, and trust that God will exalt you at the right time. Every head but every eye closed. Father, we thank you right now. We pray for a spirit of humility in this room. God, there's a better way to be somebody, and it's not trying to make it about us, but serving and caring and loving, keeping our head low and our heart pure, loving those who are different and broken and empty. Give us a spirit of humility in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now look at me, I got one more prayer, and that's for anybody in the room today who you've been going through a difficult season in life. Can I give you a new framework for the difficulty of your season? What if it's not a suffering season or a difficult season? What if, ready? What if it's a season of humility? What if God had to allow some things to happen in your life to bring you low if you don't know Jesus? What if God had to allow some things in your life to bring you low so that you could get to a point in your life where you go, I can't do this without you, Jesus. I need you. 
If you're in this room today and you do not have a relationship with Christ and things have been hard, there was a purpose for that hardness. God was trying to humble you so that you could lift your eyes to him and so that he can lift you up. One more time, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're ready to receive the humility, the humiliation that comes with struggling and wrestling so that God can lift you up and pick you up and take you forward. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand as a signal and sign to Jesus. I'm ready to be lifted up, Lord, because I'm humbling myself today. I need you, and I can't do this without you. All over this room on three, I'd love it if you lifted your right hand as a signal and a sign so we can pray for you. One, two, all over this building, if that's you. One, two, three. Shoot that right hand up high right now. Come on, I see that hand. I see it, 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 I see it. Repeat this prayer after me, everybody. Father God, I humble myself today, and I declare I need you more than anyone or anything in my life. I don't want to be somebody. You are somebody. I already am somebody. Forgive me for my past. Come on, sing this out loud. Forgive me for my past. I trust you, Jesus, for my future. In your name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com slash give. If you're in the area, Join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.